space is offering more opportunities for enterprise on the final frontier. You're listening to Western Worlds. Hello and welcome back for another conversation here on Western Worlds. My name is John Kissy, and I'm coming to you this week as every week from the Centre for Planetary Science and Exploration at Western University in London, Ontario, Canada. With the success of companies like SpaceX, a wider variety of services are starting to be offered by the commercial space sector. This week we talked to Ewan Reid about his background and experience in the commercial space sector and his role as a founder member and CEO of Mission Control Space Services, based right here in Ontario, Canada. Let's go to the interview. Okay, Ewan, uh, thanks very much for being with us here at Western Worlds today. It's a real pleasure to speak to you. You're the founding member of a, a space company called um, uh, Mission Control. Uh, why don't we start by finding out a little bit about yourself and your background and how you ended up uh, where you are right now? Sure. Um, I guess I was uh, you know, keen on, on engineering-related stuff uh, you know, as early as high school. I mean, I, I always liked different aspects of, of school. I never was, wasn't totally sure what I wanted to take in undergrad, but I uh, ended up figuring that engineering was, was kind of a nice uh, merging of math and science and problem solving and, and a bunch of things that I was uh, that I was good at. So I uh, did an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering at Queen's University. And actually at the same time, I, I worked on um, uh, an undergraduate degree in, in economics um, in parallel. So finished those two undergraduate degrees and uh, had the opportunity while I was um, a student to work uh, during the summers at a company called uh, Neptech Design Group, which is a, a, another small uh, Canadian space company. And that gave me a bit of a taste for working in the space industry and, and what that was like. So when I, when I did finish my degrees, I, I you know, reached out to them again and, and was lucky enough to be able to get uh, an opportunity uh, to, to start working with them full time. And, and that was great. It, it gave me the chance to actually, you know, only a few years out of school to be working on the space shuttle program. And um, I got to go down to work at, at Mission Control in Houston. Mm. I got to go down to Kennedy Space Center and, and do testing on the launch pad on the space shuttle. And a whole bunch of other experiences that were, you know, quite unique. And, um, you know, really I just was in the right place at the right time to be able to get those experiences. Uh, but certainly, you know, Cemented in my in my own mind the, the the desire and willingness to, to to continue to work in the space industry and and you know on the cutting edge of, of some of the technology that uh, that's, that's associated with that. So that's straight. Was that straight out of undergrad? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you then got that that amazing experience right then, and then did you continue studies after that? Yeah. Um, I I continued in Epic for a while, and you know when the shuttle retired, I ended up transitioning into a role that was more related to planetary robotics and I was doing design work, uh, leading a team there uh, as we designed rover prototypes for the Canadian Space Agency, um, some of which were used by uh, NASA as well. And um, once that program kind of came close to wrapping up, I, I realized that I wanted to you know, expand my education a little bit and um, I ended up doing uh, a program at the International Space University called the Space Studies Program which is a, a nine-week summer program that they, they offer every year uh, in differing venues around the world. So I did that program, and that was really formative, really an excellent experience for me. Um, you know, built up a lot more contacts in the space industry, made a lot of good friends, and also 
reminded myself that school was something that I could do and that it wasn't, um, you know, you, you kind of inclined to remember the, some of the bad times and you think you don't want to write exams anymore, you don't want to write a thesis anymore and those kind of things. But I, I kind of put some of that uh, out of my mind again and actually uh, did um, enroll in, in a graduate degree in technology innovation management. And actually, I'm just finishing that up right now. Right. I'm just about to submit my thesis. So that's something that it's um, a little bit like an MBA, but it's more focused on entrepreneurship, innovation, new technologies, uh, things along that vein. And that sounds like an excellent early experience and a good foundation to continue on. What was the kind, tell us a little bit about, like for instance, uh, the transition between working on the shuttle and going into planetary robotics. Was, it, was that a difficult um, transition? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, I did have to go back to the drawing board. Um, I think one of the things that people tend not to realize, uh, young engineers, students, for instance, um, feel like they're learning, you know, in school what they need in the workplace. And to some degree, that's true. I mean, you need to have a, a foundation of theory to be able to do the job. But really, just working as an engineer um, is quite different than being a student. And so, you know, the, going through the process of, of Learning, you know, learning how a workplace operates and, and learning the, the, the protocols and the bureaucracy, even, even in a small private company, uh, that is something that you know, takes some time. And once you have that, that skill, that skill set can be uh, transferred readily from one type of engineering and one program to another. So that you know, put me in good stead to be able to, to work with a team and even lead a team once I got to planetary robotics. But what was different was that planetary robotics are quite different than the systems I was working on for the space shuttle program. I was working on uh, laser camera systems, um, you know, machine vision and, and, and sensing technologies, which you know are quite different than actually mobile robotics. The, the things that are similar are that when you're talking about electrical systems, they, they have to meet similar kinds of requirements. They have to be designed to certain levels that are, that are similar. So you know, having been exposed to that design process and the, like I said, the, the, the processes that go into that, um, I, I was kind of I was able to transition the planet robotics side. What I had to learn was was all sorts of things about you know about the moon, uh, about Mars, about uh, what the challenges are associated with, with building a robot a robot that's going to move around on, on a planetary surface because um, that's very different than than just building a system that's going to be in low Earth orbit. So that was a transition for me, and I did have to go back and, and kind of get into the textbooks and and, and do some homework that. Um, you know, wasn't maybe typical, but um, it, you know, it, it was it was useful and it was essential for me to be able to do the, the new job that I had. Then moving from from doing the, the the robotics side to moving back to the International Space University um, and doing this this course in innovation, did this previous work help you to complete that, or is this something else that you've decided to add add to your skill set? more just that I think I knew um, for quite a while during my career that uh, you know I, I, I did enjoy doing some technical work um, and I was competent but it, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to be doing the long term and and I'm more of somebody that wants to be engaged in higher level you know strategic decision makings um, making planning and business development and, and, and you know putting a team together and, and conceiving of a system at a high level and, and how it could be used and, and what the revenue streams are for that system and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew that I wanted to, to move up into, into that kind of echelon of, of kind of management and, and you know within a company. And so I knew that I needed to probably have a little bit more education um, to be able to do that. And, and this degree that I'm doing, this, this technology innovation management degree, I, I felt was a good 
it was it was different than an MBA, and in, in ways that I thought would, would be um, would be positive for my career in the sense that space is a, you know a new industry. Uh, it's an old industry, but it's 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 changing rapidly right now into into a new kind of industry. Um, and I think a lot of focus is on innovation and entrepreneurship. And there's new opportunities for companies to, to operate with business models that, that never before would have been feasible because of of the um, reduction in launch costs and in, in the advances of other technologies. And so. Um, I think you know an MBA is more focused on someone who, who's going to work in, in an existing company and, and run a company that's already established. Um, whereas engineering itself is, is kind of a, an R and D kind of activity. You know, you have to be working on technology, you're making it work. Well, somewhere in the middle, there, there's someone who has to understand the technology and has to understand how to turn it into a business. And that's what I'm learning about in this technology innovation management program. Uh, so it's it's been quite you know well suited for what I needed. And certainly has enabled me to, to to start this company because I've I've learned the processes you know that are required to start a company uh, while I'm in the program. So let's talk a little bit now about the company you started. Where did you get the impetus to go down this route? I mean, it was maybe more of the latter, a little bit more on the, the feelings, and it wasn't a particular business idea. It wasn't that we said, you know, hey, I've got this new space widget that I think is going to be the best space widget out there, and I I want to market it, and, and you know make a million dollars. It, it was more that I, you know, in my experience at, 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 in the industry, I I saw where I wanted to be and I also saw that the way that certain things were done, I would often have an idea, hey, let's do it this way. It's a little bit different, I know, but I, I think that there's some benefits to doing it this way or, or you know, I have ideas about certain technologies, certain, you know, widgets that I, I thought would be worth pushing and, and I think where I was in my in my old capacity, um, I wasn't really in a position to do that. So you know, if you're an engineer, if you're leading a team, you, you know, you're not the person to be doing, you know, strategic partnerships or to or to, to push the, the direction of a company forward. And so I might have an idea, but it, it didn't really have a chance to go anywhere because I wasn't in the right role. And you know, so when I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I, I would do it this way, or I would do it that way, or I would push this idea, I realized I wasn't. You know, I couldn't do that, and, and so rather than talk about it, I said, "Well, I want to go do start a company because then I can do these things." So I started the company. So you give me the opportunity to then do things the way I want to do them and chase the opportunities that I want to chase. And so um, it was kind of, you know, I, I wanted to be in a position in a company where I was making strategic decisions and I could make the company run the way I wanted the company to run. And the only way I could do that was if I started my own company. I, I wasn't at a position to be able to be hired right into this position anywhere mm. else. I see. So that's quite an interesting uh, quite an interesting route you went down. So I, I want to ask about some of the maybe some of the challenges you've had. When did you decide to bring someone else in? Was it just you that started or was there did you have a partner? Yeah, so I guess at the very first... Um, when I was when I left my own company and I was I was independent. I, I was a, a sole proprietor of a you know small business. Basically, I was a consultant, um, and that was only for a very short period. And I, I did a little bit of work through, for companies that I knew in the industry who, who needed some work done, and that was more technical work. Just hey, we need we need this job done. Can you do it? And I said sure, and I did it. But in the meantime, I was working to kind of come up with an idea for a company and work on branding and work on. Um, building a team um, because I did feel like starting a company is something that, that should happen you know it can happen with one person but I think it's, it's better if it happens with a group um, you know you're, you're, you're leveraging the, the, the different skill sets of multiple people and you know one idea is, you know that somebody has is just an idea if they say it out loud it, it can get better if they 
hear the person answer, you know, what they think about it, and then answer back, and you have a discussion. Suddenly, this idea is actually, you know, much stronger. So, um, I through that that kind of early phases, I was working to, to to put this team together, and I reached out to a bunch of contacts I had in the industry, all people I'd known either through through work or through International Space University or some other connection, and all people who I thought were keen to work for a small company, for a, a new company, a startup uh, in the space exploration, in, you know, space industry in general, um, who had, you know, some, I guess, some passion and some willingness to take some risks and to do things a little bit differently. So I, I, I established a group of six people um, who are the kind of founding leadership team. And we've all kind of worked together to, to create mission control in, into what it is. And, I mean, I think, you know, you asked about challenges specifically, I think you know, it would be very, very challenging to try to do this on my own. I think it probably would have been impossible. So it was, it's been essential for me to have this team of people. Um, that said, that, that having that team of people in, is, in, is in and of itself a challenge uh, because you know, you're, you're in a situation where if, if you've got six people and they're all working full time, that's, that's a lot of money. And if you don't have any money coming in, that's a lot of money going out and you, know, you can't stand up for very long. So actually, I've been very lucky that people on the leadership team have been willing to make contributions uh, during the early phases, um, just like I was, that were you know non-funded kind of thing. So we're all kind of working together um, for free. None of us are making any money, but, but we're working to, to try to create a company. And now we're in the, in the fortuitous situation of you know having customers and having cash flow, and now people are getting biweekly paychecks. And so that's you know that's really nice that we we've kind of got through that first hurdle, which was, you know, can we, can we survive at the beginning when, when there's no money coming in, but there's money going out the door. And, you know, part of the reason, part of the way we're able to do that is by having the, the right team of people who are keen and willing and, and, um, and, you know, passionate about this, this idea. You, you're right. Maybe not a lot of people do this. Um, a certain number of people do start companies, but it's not, it's not the majority. And what I often hear, I find that from many, many people, when I talk to them about what I'm doing, they will say, wow, that's really risky. It's such a big risk. And, and that's, that seems to be the, very, the most common thing that I hear. And it's, it's just interesting because I don't actually see it that way. I, I don't see it as a huge risk. Um, I mean, certainly there's some opportunity cost in the sense that we're, I'm looking at my calendar here, we're 20 days from our one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally have yet to receive a paycheck. So, you know, that's, that's obviously, that's an opportunity cost. But that said, I mean, I, I could have been paying myself every, you know, bi-weekly and just accruing a big debt at the bank. Um, and then, then that would be a bigger risk because then I would know that, hey, there's this, you know, big amount of money that has to get paid back to the bank and, and what happens if the company flops and well, now I'm on the hook for it personally. So, you know, there's, there's that perspective. But if I'm, I'm, I guess, in a situation in my life where I, I could to say, okay, I, you know, I've got a bit of savings and I, I'm happy to, to kind of live a little bit like a student and, and just kind of uh, go, you know, uh, without paychecks for a little while. And if I'm willing to make that sacrifice and that opportunity cost that I'm not, you know, contributing to RSPs and I'm not doing this kind of stuff, um, then really there isn't a risk uh, in the sense that if it does flop and fail and it doesn't go anywhere, well, I turn around and apply for a job somewhere. And I'm someone that would be inclined to think that you know, if I applied for a job, they're going to look at my background and say, well, you know, what did you do for the last two years? And I'd say, well, I started the company and it failed. I, I think, I don't think companies would look at that and think that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they would think that that's a good thing. I mean, I clearly would have learned a lot and I would have at least demonstrated that I was a self-starter enough to, to, to try. Um, so I don't see a downside really. I don't see that big risk. 
um, you know, I think if, if it goes two years and it, nothing happens, well, yeah, I, I go back to my, I go find another job and I, it's just like I've been in my career all along, you know, with the exception of that opportunity cost for some salary for a little while. But, you know, other than that, I think there's just all this upside because, you know, so far so good. We're, we're actually close to being, you know, making a, a, a have our 10th employee and, um, you know, we've, we've got um, booked revenues of, of, you know, on half a million dollars and we're, we're, we're chasing a bunch of other opportunities. So, you know, things could, could be quite different than, 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 you know, the opposite of a flop uh, in a couple of years. Mm. So to me, it's, it's, it's not really that big a risk and there's a huge potential reward. So, you know, I would think that's something that I would, uh, that I answer to people when I get that question. So it's maybe worth mentioning here. Yeah. You said you've got, you've got a bit of a revenue stream at the moment and you're chasing a, a, a few other opportunities. So give us an idea of the kind of breadth of the, the areas you're involved in. Is there a specific way you would describe what your company does? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we are a little bit um, of a different structure, uh, different maybe a business model than, than other companies. And so we, we're not like um, a traditional uh, traditional startup where you know a bunch of people get together and say, here's the technology, we want to sell this technology or this service or whatever it is, and then focus all, all their efforts on that. Um, rather, we're a group of people who feel like we have things to offer to the space community, space industry. In, in a variety of different ways, and we're very open and willing to pursue opportunities, even if they don't you know, fall directly into some of the work we've, you know, the, the, our wheelhouse, you know, things that we've done before our past experience. If we can add value, we, we will try to do that. Um, which is, again, is, it goes back to, to some of what I was saying before about how I, I want I want this to be the kind of company where people might have an idea, and it might sound crazy, and it might be a very much a departure from what we've done before, but we want to be open to considering it. We don't want it to say, oh, well, we're, we're at this company, we only do this, that's it. So I, I guess my answer when people ask kind of what we do, what we are, is, is I say that we, we wear a couple different hats. Uh, we are part uh, technology development company, so we are developing technologies in our own right uh, for multiple customers, including the Canadian Space Agency. Um, and so this is the kind of work where we are doing, you know, advanced R&D to develop systems that we hope will be used in, in space one day. Um, and as well, part of the, the work associated with that is, is to, to ensure that we have opportunities to take um, funding that we get for, for doing space R&D to, to develop technologies such that they can be spun off for terrestrial applications. And that's a, um, a key consideration for us uh, because it also ties in with our other side of our business, which is the, the consultancy side, where we're working with companies in a couple different ways. Uh, one, to help companies who are not actually uh, active in the space sector, but would like to be. So they have a technology that has been proven in terrestrial applications, but it's never been used in space. So we'll help a company like that both to navigate the bureaucracy associated with the space industry and also to, to do the engineering required to uh, adhere to the more stringent requirements associated with, with spaceflight. So we work with companies who bring technology into space, but we also will want to work with companies who have intellectual property they've developed associated with space and to apply those, technolo- those, those um, yeah, technologies or, or, or solutions to terrestrial applications so that IP that's developed as part of a space program uh, space R&D, for instance, doesn't just die once it's you know been used in space one time, but that we find a way to use that in, in terrestrial applications and, and make money for that company um, going forward. You know whether it's through licensing or, or purchase of IP or, or helping that company directly market their product uh, here on Earth. So we, we do do a bunch of different things, and then like I said, we do some education outreach as well. And we've been involved for the past. Um, uh, last year and, and uh, going forward uh, again this year, we'll be leading um, uh, 
uh, with a couple other companies, um, an educational activity at, at the International Space University where the, the participants, the students, are allowed to actually run a, a simulated Mars mission. And they're controlling a real robot prototype um, on, a, on last year, which the Canadian Space Agency's Mars Yard uh, analog terrain. And they actually run through, they, they plan the whole mission uh, through our, with our guidance and leadership and instruction, and then they actually get to execute the mission. And that's happening again uh, this summer. So that's, that's a really fun and exciting thing that we get to do and be involved with. And, you know, it, it doesn't you know, generate revenue for us directly, but we hope that by being involved in these kind of things that we, we demonstrate to the, the community at large that we are, you know, a leader in, in, in space robotics and, and, you know, worthy of consideration for, for whatever opportunities might, might come along. With regard to the education activities that you're involved in, have you learned anything yourselves about running these things? We feel that um, by going through the process of, of leading these mission simulations um, and you know, first doing the education side of it, so, so providing lectures and um, giving workshops, teaching the, the information to the students so, so that they have the, the, the material to be able to make decisions and, and run through the mission. Um, that part of it, but then yeah, the whole logistical side, planning the, the mission, setting it up, running it, making sure it works on a technological uh, side of things, you know, it, it's, it's a challenge technologically to, to, to pull it off in the sense that you've got students in one location in a, in a control center that you've established that are controlling remotely uh, a robotic vehicle in another location uh, that's a planetary analog. And it's actually very much like a scenario where you have operators at a control center controlling a rover on, on the moon um, or on, on Mars. And, you know, the scenario we, we Use the last few years is that the, 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 the students are in theory in a spacecraft that's orbiting Mars and controlling a rover on Mars. But that scenario could be you know adapted and applied to, to a variety of situations. For instance, you know we, we can do direct teleoperation of, of robotics on the moon, and there is a lot of talk right now. I mean, Europe and other places about about a moon village, about about colonizing different planetary bodies, and when that happens, you're going to want robots to support you, and then you're going to need to have experienced teams. Of operators to do that work, and not only the experienced teams of operators, but the the, the protocols and, and the the um, procedures in place to set those teams up and to to run those activities successfully. And so we feel that by doing these activities, we are developing this capability in house, such that going forward we, we can turn this into uh, a revenue stream in the sense that we hope as more and more missions are, are being launched to 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 the moon or Mars, you know the, the, the groups doing this are going to need, need these capabilities, and that our company can provide them. Okay, well, thanks very much for speaking to us today. Okay, John, thank thank you. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Nice to talk to you. You're listening to Western Worlds. Let's go to the discussion. Well, hi, Harshane. Well, that was a very interesting interview with uh, you and Reid, wasn't it? Yeah, I was really intrigued on just the fact that there are so many space industries, like private companies now and small businesses that, you know, well, not even a decade ago, that would be like kind of, you know, something that you don't hear. And now it seems to be like more and more increasingly becoming common to have people doing consulting or even just, you know, have ideas to help other major companies work in space industry, you know, help them build things help them you know with their projects and things like that it's pretty interesting because i've never you know thought of that being an area where you could work even though like the traditional way people work in space is more like research or like nasa esa things like that people don't think about oh i'm working you know in a space private industry yeah exactly and i found it very interesting hearing about uh, his process 
this personal process of going through and starting a business and deciding that this was the area he's going to go into. Yeah. I mean, he had so much experience working down south. And I was surprised, like, he did that right after his bachelor's, you know, with engineering. And you wouldn't think that just with that background, you would have so many opportunities. But they exist now. It's the time when private industry is picking up. Exactly. And there's a lot of different kinds of expertise. I mean, this is what the interview I felt really demonstrated, which was that there's a lot of expertise, different kinds of expertise that is being picked up by private industry, but also new areas potentially that are being created by private industry, by people with ideas, um, people thinking that this particular thing would be very useful. And so we're going to work on this and providing this for the space industry so this is a whole new kind of avenue that's being explored and so that, I found that I found that very very interesting yeah I I really like the idea of you know finding your way and going with it because especially as I said before like space private industry is very very young and to just you know venture out with like he was talking about you know some people had to kind of you know sacrifice in the start to make up for things and now that things are rolling on you have you know people working from a lot of different areas into this one firm where now they're seeing money that's coming in now everyone is able to get you know good enough pay everyone is able to contribute equally things like that is very hard when things are like a startup and we have always heard startup in it Mm -hmm. Um, it's very common but startups in space industry or space uh, is now starting to be very common especially after you know things like spacex and exactly. other industries are making huge leaps compared to the government agencies yeah i mean they're they're showing they're kind of they're kind of leading the way in the way they're, they're a nice sort of visible display of what can be done um if you're not big government agency as well so there's a lot of things that are that are definitely pushed out from them and that's that's kind of trickling down and rubbing off on other people they're getting these ideas that now this is something that they can also do which is you know it's a good thing for me personally to to see so i'm really i'm really pleased about that very interested in the areas that that you and company are exploring simply because i think that they're starting to now look into things that aren't necessarily things you'd think about one of the areas that they're looking at is providing training in in certain aspects of mission control and um, those kind of things for young people so that people who are coming out of their education already have a sort of feeling for what's required in that area and that's actually very interesting I think and that's something that I wouldn't have immediately thought it would be possible for private industry to provide but UN's company is showing that that's definitely not the case that's really good I think, yeah I love the, the fact that they have an outreach aspect to it because mm. being in young industry there's a lot of things that people need to learn there's also not very many places you can get trained to do that kind of stuff so for him it was more a process about learning while doing uh, you know getting experience but now he's providing the training just for the sake of education in a way that you know the new people who come out do already have that expertise rather than what he gained over the experience years of experience working at different places so i think that is pretty neat yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it will be really good to, to go back and have a look in a, in a little while and see how they're doing and uh, see if they've uh, broadened their horizons any and w- what exactly is what the future is shaping up for them. So that's very interesting. Yeah, I think I, we wish you'd really talk to Mel Butler, who is the outreach coordinator at... Um, 
at this company, you yeah. know, who's also CPSX alumni. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be great to hear from her about their efforts more in detail. That's our show for this week. Western Worlds is a production of the Centre for Planetary Science and Exploration. This episode was produced by John Kissy and Parshley Patel and featured an interview by co-host John Kissy. Our roundtable discussion featured co-host John Kissy and our editors were John Kissy and Parshley Patel. I'm John Kissy. Our theme music is Helio Sheath by Shaw Kim. You can continue the conversation online and listen to past episodes or learn more about Western Worlds by visiting our website at cpsx.uwo.ca slash westernworlds. We're also available on Twitter and Facebook. On behalf of everybody here at Western Mars, I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you can join us again next time, right here on Western Worlds. Thank you.